Welcome in, everybody. It is week three in college football news. Uh, it's me, your good old pal Xander. Mayor, how are you doing? And Mayor's not here today, actually. So we have a special guest, Nathan. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Happy to give some winners. Uh, chop up the board a little bit. Yeah, uh, Nathan is a big-time board chopper, a uh, huge friend of the program. Uh, excited to have him on to talk some ball. Basically, uh, we'll get into this later. He's also a gigantic Michigan State homer, so I can't wait to hear about that uh, prestigious university and everything they've churned out this past week on how it's possible that they even cover 17 against Washington. Uh, but yeah, Nate, tell us a little bit about your betting your betting sides, and then also I understand that you prepared a couple futures you want people to look out for, so floor is yours, brother. Yeah, so one, happy to be here. Two, I am a Michigan State fan. Um, one, just a little upset that athletic di- directors act on news before you know the justice system works out. So I'll just say Whoa. that I know it happened at Northwestern, but you know if if all went down, you, you know happens to go down, totally fine. Mark D'Antonio is on the uh, sideline this week, so we'll see what can happen. Um, as far as college football, that is easily my favorite sport: college football, college basketball, and unfortunately, unlike a lot of others, NFL is actually third on my list. But Ooh. college, I I actually love how every single play these kids are out there giving it their max effort. Um, you know, don't get me started on the transfer portal, but I'm happy to, happy, to get, <laughs> happy to get some winners this week. Hey, love it. Love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you and I see eye to eye on a lot. Um, you know, transfer portal is what it is. Uh, also, I'm actually a big fan of realignment. Uh, how about you? Um, it will be weird being from Big Ten country, seeing Pac-12 teams kind of roll in there. I would love to see the fan bases, you know, at UCLA – start to fill the stadiums a little bit more. So we'll kind of see the dynamic. You're going to have elite offenses crossed over with what I would consider more physical defense. So we'll just see how those teams shape out over time. The only reason I bring that up is because we're recording this on Thursday. It'll come out on Friday, so the game will have already happened. I think that it will eliminate. We're looking at Miami as fucking 53-point favorites over Bethune-Cookman. Any sort of games like that being on the schedule now that there will be 12 teams in the playoff, like obviously teams are just looking to avoid any losses. They're not going to load their schedule. But 53.5 should never be on the board going forward after all these conferences are realigned. That's just my only rant that I had, like seeing that line today for one of our two Thursday night games. Yeah, I think with a lot of these quote-unquote warm-up games, you only have 12 in a season. And, you know, a lot of people argue, hey, these schedules are made in, in such a long-term advance. And to me, they were just as bad then. Yeah. So you knew what <laughs> yeah. you were doing. 100%. I totally understand if you're scheduling Hawaii and maybe you scheduled back in 1980. But yeah. to, to be fair, Miami knew what they were getting into here. So personally, I would like to see at least more competitive games and maybe games that actually have lines. So when you're actually looking at them, you don't have to wait till the day of um, like a lot of these FCS teams. Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, Xander, what about uh, when they pay Bethune-Cookman to come in? It's like, well, why don't they just pick three schools like a charity event, uh, roll out the red carpet and hold up a big check every season, and then boom, they can still give away the money and they don't have to steamroll these quote-unquote student-athletes. But, uh, yeah, so 
won't be betting that game. He won't hear that from us, uh, needless to say. But you mentioned you had some futures, uh, maybe your Final Four. Uh, talk to us about that, or has it changed from last week's uh, minor shakeup with Bama going down? Yeah, so giving my Final Four, it is a little unfair already going into week three. I've been able to see some teams unfold. Um, so as far as my Final Four, they are a little bit different. I am going to start, obviously, with Georgia and Michigan. I just think when you look at Michigan's schedule, it is they should be 9-0 and before they even touch Penn State. Yeah. So really when I see a bet like this, I think they'll either go 1-1 one and one or 2-0. and oh. Um, and even if they go one and one, you know, Ohio State will go ahead and potentially sneak into the Big Ten championship and then, you know. Sneak in. Yeah, we'll, we'll say sneak in. I, I do think Michigan is a little bit better than them this year. I actually think Penn State could be a potentially good bet as well. And I was talking to Xander about this earlier. When you're looking at championships and who can win, I typically like to break down the schedule. And you simply have to look at where are two losses. And when you're looking at the Big Ten, the top three is in Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. It's very tough. I mean, maybe there's two or three tough games, and, and unfortunately with Michigan, I just I see two tough games, and I see them going one and one and making the Final Four. So my other two, uh, like I said, a little bit of a cheat because we're in Week 3. Um, looking at Texas' schedule, I think Texas does sneak in there. And then my fourth one, I actually think Washington will sneak in there as well. Wow. Washington. I have another long one as well. Um, they're plus 2,000 to win the Pac-12. And same thing, just staring at their... Don't say Colorado. No, no just staring at their <laughs> okay. schedule. I was actually going to say Oregon State. Um, I'm not a huge DJ fan, but I'm a fan of a team that runs um, a good bit and then actually plays good defense as well. Another thing is Utah. You know, they're 2-0. and They survived Baylor. But if Cam Rising comes back and they happen to be 3-0, and 4-0, and and then you have Cam Rising going into Pac-12 play... I think both of those plays are, are, you know, kind of worth a shot. Yeah, uh, and those are, I mean, yeah, I mean, those are still teams. Washington's definitely out there. Uh, would you nibble on uh, Texas on FanDuel right now? It's 10-1. to 1. They have a smooth sailing schedule to the Big 12, and who's going to beat them really? So they pretty much control their own destiny. 10-1 to 1 to win the national title. I saw their minus or plus 100 to make the playoff. Any... Any nibbles on uh, ten to one? Yeah, ten to one. I would go ahead and take that. I think whenever you're taking somebody that's outside of you know a Georgia and a Michigan, you simply want them to make it to the Final Four, and then from there you can hedge. Completely up to you if you want to hedge <coughs> in their championship game or their conference championship game. You're more than welcome to do so. But yeah, I was looking at Texas schedule. I think Oklahoma. It's a little bit of a down year. You know, if they go with the backup there at Oklahoma, then things could get interesting during the Red River Shootout or whatever the hell they call it now. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, there's a couple spots on Texas schedule. I do think they TCU at TCU. You know, TCU versus Colorado. Yes, the was suspect, but you could tell TCU was still having their trunk plays. You know, it might be the first one to get a stop. But to be quite honest, I think Texas's defense is pretty legit. So overall, I would take a shot at Texas. So Washington forty to one. Mm-hmm. Any any sprinkle on that right now? Yeah, as you can tell, uh, I have them in my final four. I think, but Washington. to win it all, forty to one. Yeah, not to, just make it there. Yeah, yeah, no. To to win it all, forty one. I would take that. I think a lot of their more difficult games are actually going to be at home. Um, and I think Washington, if you look at their schedule, I think they automatically win seven games or win eight games. So four of those games are going to be toss-ups, and most of those are going to be at home. So I do think Washington with Michael Penix, which is crazy to say, 
because Michael Penix at Indiana was not Michael Penix at Washington. Um, but I guess, you know, when you're a Bo Nix or a DJ, uh, when you move to the Pac-12, all the pressure's off. Well, I think it's more when you're like 25 years old playing against 18-year-olds <laughs> and you're actually a decent quarterback. Uh, the game's pretty easy. Uh, before we move on, not to dive too deep in these, but the landscape has changed quite a bit because let me let me throw this in front of you. See, see how you like this. We saw a very, very impressive performance down in South Florida. Miami sits at 80 to one to win it all, but more importantly, they sit at 15 to one to make the playoff. Their next three games are tonight: Bethune Cookman, Temple, Georgia Tech. Their only road test is at UNC, and then they host Clemson, host Virginia, go to NC State, and then obviously the biggest game of the season, but wouldn't be until November 11th, would be at Florida State, which will probably be double-digit dogs, but more than likely. Not more than likely, but there's a chance they're undefeated there, and there's only three games left on the schedule. So at that point, they might not be. Right now, they'd be double-digit, but they just the ranking alone, if they were both undefeated, would probably put it at about a five-and-a-half point spread, six-point spread. Thoughts on 15-1 to one to make the playoff for the Hurricanes? Yeah, so me and you typically see eye-to-eye, but as you know, during our conversations on Saturday, there's a lot where we butt heads. <laughs> Um, to be quite honest, I actually think Clemson would end up bouncing back from there. I understand Clemson lost to Duke, but if you watch that game and that game gets replayed, oh, yeah. I would then bet again on Clemson. Um, you know, Riley Leonard, he, he's an NFL prospect. He will get drafted into the NFL. But as you can tell, between the 20s, Clemson had zero problem going in between. Um, I think they were in the red zone, what, three three or four times, fumbled it twice. They were one, field goal, one for five. One for five. Yeah, so personally, I can't wait for that Clemson at Miami game. Um, depending on what the line is there, I might actually sneak in Clemson. Um, that being said, if I think they do lose to Clemson, then everything rides on that Florida State game. Yeah. So I think everything would ride anyway. Uh, and Clemson, 14-1 to to make the playoffs. I mean, if you if you like that, I mean, that's a great number uh, because uh, you got to get ahead of that. That won't be available since next week. Clemson will be taking down their hardest opponent with Florida State. Mm-hmm. So if you do like that, I'd say get on 14-1, to 1, brother. Mm-hmm. And how about this? I think I saw this. DJU and Clark are the exact same odds to win the Heisman. <laughs> Man, that is – that's kind of insulting to DJU for <laughs> for his first two weeks and how shitty club next been. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, – I appreciate that futures outlook. I mean, the landscape has been nuts. This is going to be one of the craziest years. It's not just Alabama and Georgia – because Georgia has not been very impressive. But uh, anyway, let's do a little bit of a recap. Uh, I obviously know you're a guest on the show, so there were uh, some pretty impressive cards. Uh, Mayer, not here to represent himself, but he did suffer, unfortunately, his first two losses of the season. He was big on Temple, and boy, did they get boat raced. <laughs> they are not a good team, uh, but it's only one bet. And then he was also on that uh, Texas A&M Miami so he was three and two, but his lock did hit, and that was Texas plus seven. So he's two and zero oh on locks. Uh, and then I have an asterisk. I had a gigantic week, boys. I was thirteen and three on the card that I put out on Twitter with a four of six round robin that paid out if you followed. And then I had a buddy text me. He followed the fill me up parlay, but took all the spreads. Uh, all the spreads hit. Paid seven to one. Uh, we were a Cal field goal kicker away. I mean, I think I could have drained one of those. 
for Cal to win against Auburn. Uh, but yeah, and then off the books, I had a 100-to-1 uh, parlay put in, just kind of two sheets to the win for all the PM games. So everything was, was bouncing right. I, uh, I did want to cover one thing. I posted Iowa at 20-and-a-half team total over on the card as my best bet. That bet actually did not exist anywhere. I have the tickets. I could only get 19 and a half, uh, and it hit. So I'm going to leave it up to Mayor if he wants to give that to me or not. I marked it as a loss. I'm not going to beg for it. But my ticket paid out a correct win, and I couldn't have given out a loser because that bet didn't exist anywhere. So we'll see. Uh, as for you, uh, obviously we'll have a ton of picks from you today, but how was your overall weekend last week? Uh, what was your, your best bet there? Or maybe the best takeaway from last week? Yeah, best takeaway, I think. You know, one of the biggest games we argued about was that Baylor game. I understand that. You know, it ended up being a push. Or if you got it at the hook, then it was a win. But something about Baylor at home, you saw, if you take away Utah's quarterback, that one bomb against Florida, I think he was like 9 for 16 with like 120 yards. So... That's just kind of my play there. Obviously, Utah, that last second, they said, hey, why don't we just run it every play? Because we're going to win. And, you know, they put in that backup quarterback as well as more of a running quarterback. Started to run a little bit more of a, um, you know, run and gun, just snap and just run around the quarterback and go from there. But Yeah, Nate yeah, Johnson. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, other than that, though, um, you know, I was pretty heavy on JMU. Somehow came back, miracle win there. Didn't cover him, of course, but... Um, yeah, other than that, it was a pretty decent week. Just kind of sat back and watched all the plays unfold. Yeah, I mean, tried to tell you. Uh, I was also with you on JMU, um, as that was one of my only losses posted on the card. But once I found out, I mean, this was the first official game for Virginia's slain players where they were retiring all three numbers. I mean, the atmosphere, the emotion, that's what make co- makes college football so great is that you can't plug those stats into uh, any sort of engine, that's got to be worth at least a touchdown, especially being at home, although uh, JMU had quite a bit of fans since those schools are not very far away from each other. But yeah, uh, Utah's quarterback looked horrific. I appreciate you bringing up that game because I have a couple, I don't know what I need to do to show my repentance, but I was on a couple lines here where I need to uh, give back to the gambling gods, give my thanks. Um, a few uh, that I was on all on the right side was Utah minus six and a half, Ole Miss minus six and a half, uh, Notre Dame minus seven. They ended up pulling away after the rain delay. And then also uh, Oregon minus six and a half. Holy shit. Um, if you're unfamiliar listening to this, you're just kind of a quasi college football fan. Oregon getting a pick six with 30 seconds to go, up one to cover. Utah was down three with about a minute 40 to go, uh, and they actually won by seven by getting pushed into the end zone uh, by Baylor to try and get the ball back instead of draining the clock and kicking a field goal with one second. So uh, would have lost with that field goal. Um, yeah, so just – Whatever I can do to, to show my repentance to the gambling gods, I just don't want to. I would hate to be, because I know there was many people out there on the other side of that, and boy, my heart goes out to you. I'm not dancing on your grave at all. Not at all. The only other thing I had about week two, or yeah, officially week two, 
are we in a possible fully back mode where we have Texas, Colorado, DJU Lungalele, and University of Miami Hurricanes all undefeated? Is college football back? Well, Michigan State really doesn't have a head coach, so that hurts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, college football, I mean, this is when college football is the most fun because we even just went through all the possibilities of teams that could make it to the quote-unquote Final Four and, and get a chance to win it all. When you look at that odds board, you can you can convince me that there's probably 20 teams on there that could realistically make their way through their schedule um, and make it to the Final Four. You just never know. Um, really, my only Sherlock, just based off of the schedule, is really Georgia, to be quite honest. just I you know Their biggest test so far is going to be at UT, and we'll, we'll dive more into that game. Oh, I don't yeah. see too much in that. But other than that, I think the field is wide open. And that's what I love about college basketball, too. You get into March Madness because anything can happen during yeah. March Madness. But with college football, usually it can get a little bit boring um, when there's three teams that are pretty much solidified. But I think this year it's extremely exciting to see some of those older programs really bounce back. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. Um, Texas, of course, uh, did this a couple of years ago uh, where they had a couple early wins in the season undefeated high ranked and then lost like I think they ended up like seven and five or eight and four one of those weird Charlie Strong seasons Mm -hmm. Colorado of course uh, we've talked about them every single pod we will continue to talk about them I mean they are what's churning the college football like media ship right now Uh, man I will literally just kick my own ass if I didn't put a little bit of money on Colorado, ten plus uh, ten plus wins at ninety to one before the season started. Obviously, we're going to see who they really are in the next couple weeks with going to Oregon and then hosting USC. DJU looks legit. I mean, I don't know if it's truly like he also has a great defense. Like Oregon State looks nuts. Um, I think all these teams aren't just like um, quote unquote back. I think these teams are trending positive, and for Colorado to be back. After all this hype, I mean, to be honest, a team that Vegas set at three and a half going seven and five is going to be a nuts season. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so far over the win total. You never see that for teams that shitty Mm -hmm. coming into the season. Um, I will say it's going to be fun to look back uh, how coming into the season, I believe Travis uh, Hunter was right around 200 to one or maybe 80 to one. And then Schrader Sanders was 200 to one to win the Heisman. And now Sanders is at 18 to one and Hunter's at 35. Yeah. It'll be fun to look back and those guys, let's be honest, they're probably not going to win the Heisman, Mm -hmm. but the amount of people that just bought into that Mm -hmm. and are holding 18 to one on a season, on a a team that's seven and five. Yeah. And usually the Heisman's it's two categories. It's a popularity contest. And it's also your record defining. Yeah. Um, So with those two things, if you do pull up Colorado's, Schedule remaining, I think they have one of the toughest. Oh, big um, time. Just because the Pac-12, it, it looks legit. Um, I will say after the first game, I did take Colorado team total over four and a half. I think after this week, they'll be three and a half, or they'll be three and oh, and then they're at, they have these games remaining too that I think are pretty much locks. They're at Arizona State. If you watched Arizona State last night, or late the Saturday night, atrocious. That quarterback is... So bad. It, it, it just, he seems to not be... Um, <laughs> He kind of looks like Jaden Daniels that transferred to LSU, but he just not he does not know how to make reads. He does not know when to use his legs. Uh, then they're home against Stanford and home against Arizona. So I think that's already right there. Six wins. I think they're bowl eligible. The other games are 
completely coin flips. If not, they'll be major underdogs. Um, I know we'll talk about future lines. I saw that they were 14 and a half dogs at Oregon. Yeah. Um, haven't really wrapped my head around that one yet, just because Oregon at home is extremely dangerous. So we'll we'll kind of dive into that later. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I appreciate you bringing up Jalen Jaden Daniels because that's a perfect segue. Uh, as you know, on this pod we cover uh, six games every week that are standout games. Uh, pretty tough to filter these games this week. I mean, it is a terrible slate, but. Look ahead to next week, and you better clear all your plans because next week is going to be park the ass in the seat for a good 12 hours, uh, our first true college football weekend. Uh, so we're going to open up. We're going to go in order of 11 a.m. to the night games. But first one that popped out was LSU. They're uh, minus 9.5 at Mississippi State. Uh, first thing I saw on this is that uh, I don't know if you watch any of the Arizona-Mississippi State game, but – it was an absolute clusterfuck. Did you see any of the highlights no, there? I, I didn't get to watch any of the highlights. I was following <coughs> around. I saw that Will Rogers had like 160 yards. Saw that it somehow ended up in OT. So I did see all of that. Um, but I think I was too busy watching another game at the time. So I did not get to catch any of the action. Yeah, their quarterback, uh, speaking of Arizona's, uh, is, I mean, he's terrible. Uh, he's got zero arm strength. He had to full-on crow hop a 50-yard Hail Mary, and it didn't make it to the end zone. Um, he had four interceptions. They had one other fumble. They Mississippi State won the turnover battle by four, and this game still got to overtime. I don't really care about cowbells and the road. LSU is one of the fastest-paced offenses in the entire country. They get plays off uh, before you can even blink. We talked about it uh, just briefly earlier. Um they were just like Clemson, where they drove the ball down, got into the red zone against Florida State. That score is way more lopsided than the game actually played out. Uh, he brought it up. I had that noted. Will Rogers had 162 yards. Uh, didn't turn the ball over, but it's way different than a night game in the mm-hmm. SEC. I would take LSU up to 13. Uh, that's how confident I am in this in this LSU team just being – Having more dudes on defense and offense, that um, uh, this away game road test in the SEC doesn't scare me at all. Yeah, so you were mentioning Delora. That's the the quarterback transfer from Washington State that went to Arizona. Yeah. Great legs. Yeah, he's a quick little fuck. He had 340 passing yards on Mississippi State, so I think right there kind of defines Mississippi State as a defensive unit right there. Um, I really want to talk about the LSU – FSU game. I had Florida State, and my main reason why I had Florida State was simply Travis Greater signed Jaden. Yeah. And the reason, and if you actually took that game, and obviously there were so many eyeballs on that game, if you asked me at halftime who was the better team, I would have told you LSU. Big time. LSU was great between the 20s. Um, they were holding FSU to a couple three and outs. Uh, Florida State was punting from the back of their end zone. So I per- at that time, at halftime, I was nervous for my Florida State, but then of course... The reason why I took the ticket is because Jane Daniels does what Jane Daniels does. <laughs> um, but, of course, they have weapons. You know, neighbors, Thomas Jr. at wide receiver, uh, Mason Taylor at tight end. I think that guy's a freak. Um, overall, I think LSU just has a more talented team. They yeah. were very highly ranked coming into the season. They got more dudes. Yeah, I just think this is one of those games where you turn it on and it could be, you know, like a 35-7 to 7 LSU. So I do have LSU minus 9.5. Yeah, obviously we do have the one <clears> – <throat> 11 a.m. start, and Brian Kelly, not exactly like the biggest 
motivator. Mm-hmm. So the only thing we could, if we're looking to argue for the other side, uh, if you're looking to like Mississippi State, there definitely could be a sleepwalking angle, right? Yeah. I th- when I actually first saw this line, line, I thought, I'm taking Mississippi State. Yeah. But then the more I kind of dug into it and, and did my research on it, it's just one of those games where I love to fade LSU to the point <laughs> where I now love LSU this week. I think LSU has a, more to play for. I think they can honestly make another run after just losing to FSU. And clearly FSU is a very good team, and we'll see. They The reason why I didn't bring up FSU as a Final Four is because I think their schedule is extremely difficult moving yeah. forward. But I do think they're a very well-talented team. They had a lot of transfers <coughs> on defense as well. So... You know, like I said, I don't think Mississippi State really has that much of a chance, even though 10 points is a lot. You could see a backdoor, so. Yeah, for sure. All right, so it seems like we're both on the same side. Are you actually going to take anything uh, or just leaning uh, one way or the other? No, I'll be on LSU. All right, same. I will also be on LSU, like I said, up to 13. I'm comfortable with that. Uh, Next up, 11 a.m. SEC Network. We have this line has actually moved quite a bit since I sent it to you. What are we missing? Uh, exactly. This is crazy. It opened, or it's been moving uh, all in Kansas State's favor. Kansas State at Missouri. Kansas State was 5.5 when I sent this uh, to Nathan yesterday, and they are down to 3.5. Oh, you meant moving in Mizzou's way, yes. Yeah, it's moving in Mizzou's mm-hmm. way. Yeah, what are we missing? Will Howard is healthy. He's playing, so I don't understand here. I understand that Missouri's um, rushing defense is pretty uh, touted, I should say, but I, I mean... I'd rather just burn my money, I guess, than take it with Mizzou. <laughs> you do not win against MTSU by four points that got absolutely rolled by Alabama, yeah. which we saw what Milrow did against Texas. I just think Mizzou, also they're between quarterbacks. They started Sam Horn in game one, substituted Brady Cook, let Brady Cook go ahead and work game two. Obviously, Brady Cook was kind of the main player last year. My only concern about this game is it will be the most public side at 11 a.m. So if you know you're going to get burnt, which it happens all the time, Vegas always wins. I always say that. That's my only worry. I can see your phone up right now and where all the money is. So <laughs> why don't you break it down? That's exactly right. Um, because I'm on the same side as you. Uh, right now it shows Kansas State is getting 90% of the bets, 76% of the money. Um, man, no one has any faith. It is back up to four. Uh, this seems like one that will be involved in a lot of money line parlays. Uh, so, uh, listen, you just brought up how bad Missouri looks. They are one of nine teams in the NCAA that has not forced a turnover yet, and they scheduled two cupcakes to open up the season. Uh, they are, I mean, one thing I don't look at in the early cupcakes is offensive stats, uh, just because, I mean, you're expected to uh, dominate these teams and you can run up. They can get gaudy, so I don't really put too much into that. I do put a lot into turnovers on both offense and defense, and then also uh, how the defense plays if they're taking uh, smaller teams serious. And both of these teams seem to have done that. Uh, they aren't allowing very many yards. Both are top 50, uh, I believe actually top 35 yards allowed. Uh, Kansas State can move the ball, though. They do have a bit of a higher uh, paced offense. And Missouri, like you said, has shown absolutely nothing short of mediocre in offense. Um, Will Howard is just like a Tebow 2.0. Mm-hmm. It's like I would I would take this up to like again the five and a half I sent you. Six would be probably my limit. I want that extra point um, being away from that full mm-hmm. touchdown. 
But, I mean, we're on two favorites early. Like, what could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I have no idea. This game, it just has one of those, like, just smells like a fucking rat. Like, we need to lay the trap. You, you know exactly what's going to happen here. <laughs> but, like I said, I'm willing to put my money on Kansas State. Yeah. Do I think Missouri's defense is better than Kansas State, especially over the past 10 years? Absolutely not. Will Howard is their goal line back, so he'll be running it once they get inside the five. To be quite honest, the only way, the only way, and maybe that's what's going to happen, but the only way Missouri really comes out and wins this game is turnovers and special team play. And I don't necessarily see a very pretty disciplined Kansas State team over the years do either one of those, especially when they are run heavy. So unless fumbles are involved, I, I mean, I think Kansas State could win this by a couple touchdowns. So Yeah, I agree. Uh, they are going to be in my uh, in a money line parlay you'll hear a little later. But, yeah, I don't think there's any way that either of us could really. Because 47 total, I mean, that's kind of right on a perfect number where I would lean the under if you don't even want to mix up with this favorite. But um, I could see it just kind of getting into the 50s. Like a like a Kansas State thirty eight and a uh, Missouri like fourteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was taking my notes on this, and it was minus five at the time. I figured by the time we were going to do this podcast, it would be already at minus six and a half, <laughs> and then we'd have to be talking about it in teasers. Which coming you know come Saturday morning, it could be creeping up. You yeah. just never know. Vegas doesn't want to have too much liability on it, so who knows? But my guess is a sharp better win in on Mizzou or somebody that is very trusted. And that's why you're getting the buyback there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what happened so <clears throat> to move that line so severely. Uh, but, yeah, I'm still very comfortable, again, giving out two favorites. So uh, with that, we'll move into the 230 slate. Uh, so they, it's an interesting game. Uh, two 2-0 teams, uh, one coming off a, a very difficult win. So we have Minnesota. They are plus 7.5 at UNC. Man, what do you see in this game? Because this was also just another, you know, it's it should be a good game, but a head-scratcher when I see this line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is another one where I've grown up watching the Big Ten. I understand the Big Ten as far as, I would say, 80% of the teams are extremely physical on the defensive side. They recruit for the front seven. So this is an extreme two opposite spectrums. Uh, Drake May's first two games. 269 and 2, and against App State, 208 and 0. Yeah. So we have sub 500 yards passing so far for Drake May and two touchdowns. I think we talked about Sanders at Colorado. I think he's got like a thousand passing yards already. So uh, what it is, though, is UNC has a very good running back, British Brooks. Uh, yeah. I think if he can get involved, great. But that being said, Minnesota just mucks up games like this. So personally, for me right now, I am on Minnesota, seven in the hook. I think the hook is the reason why I'm on Minnesota here. I just think Minnesota, if you take Minnesota's defense against South Carolina's defense, I think it would be much more superior. Yeah. Um, and then for having UNC be this close against App State, and this is a, a worse talented team than App State last year, it's, it's got my concerns up. Yeah, for sure. And a uh, couple notes I had was like a stud offense for stud defense. Uh, App State clearly has the formula to compete with UNC. Uh, I mean, back-to-back years that uh, actually went – I don't think last year it went to overtime, right? It was just like 52-49. Came down to a two-point conversion. Yeah, that's right. A two-point conversion on the goal line in regulation. And then, yeah, this year, basically, 
it looked like there was some sort of just like shot collar on Drake May. I watched this game, just like couldn't believe just like how how uh, claustrophobic he felt. And then all of a sudden when crunch time came into play, he like started to pull the ball. He started to use his legs. I mean, the kid is quick. So uh, if he uses that more, UNC should roll. But I'm not sure if they're going to let him open it up. But uh, at the same time, Minnesota is a stud defense, and as anyone that watches football knows, defense travels. This is a 2:30 game. Weather should be good. This seems like a plug your nose and take Minnesota seven and a half, eight. Uh, I think UNC wins. I don't think Minnesota's playing, or I'm sorry, UNC's playing from behind. But when you look at Minnesota's offense, at the same time, it's like they can't move the fucking ball. They, they settled for field goals against Eastern Michigan. They scored 25 against Eastern. Had to have a miraculous – Jeff's – not miraculous. I mean, this guy turns the ball over. Um, Jeff Sims just throwing picks uh, to beat Nebraska um, in week one. They're 0 for 2 against the spread so far. I'm, this is a big head scratch for me. I'm not sure this is on the card. I would probably side with you and plug the nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but – yeah, I'm I'm a lean UNC. I'll buy the hook to seven, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much where I stand on this. It probably won't probably won't make the card, to be honest. Yeah, I think for Minnesota's benefit is for this game to go under. So I see the over unders at fifty one. If the game goes under, I think Minnesota has a really great shot to not even just cover, but to upset. To be quite honest, um, Minnesota, as you saw at the end of Nebraska, good kicking game too. I think that field goal was from like fifty three or something. Yes. And that guy drained it. Um, UNC typically has, you know, special teams mishaps, I would say, here and there. So I just think, yes, Minnesota, they don't have Tanner Morgan anymore. They don't have Abraham. They don't have their stud players anymore. But I just think a very well-coached team by yeah. DJ Fleck, I think, will um, be able to come into Chapel Hill and, and muck it up a little bit. Sharp money on the under. So that might not be a bad look either. Uh, yeah, so without further ado... Drum roll, please. We've got a 4 o'clock game on the cock, Peacock. Uh, that's actually pretty ironic. For, speaking of cocks. Yes, speaking of cocks, for what this game is presenting. Washington, let me pull it up live, but when I sent this to you, 16.5 point favorites on the road. This game opened at like 6. Pretty crazy, 6 or 7, uh, before the Mel Tucker news came out. against At Michigan State. I'm just going to leave this to you. Please please tell us. Yeah, so, and I already, what is it, like phone sex or something? Is that what it was? Or something like <laughs> Zoom that? sex. Yeah, I don't know. You, you you break it down for me. I'm sure they can pull up the receipts and <laughs> see if he, I, I, he has come out and denied it. So that's what made me upset is when an athletic department and a president of a university makes a judgment call without hearing all the evidence. It's the same thing as me and you. Someone could easily just can, you know, say, hey, you're a murderer. You, you, you cannot just play something on somebody until proven uh, guilty. So that's my only upset uh, here because now Mel Tucker, because of everything that's happened in Michigan State's past, most likely is done even if this doesn't come back as his fault or a mutual aspect. Uh, Michigan State, Noah Kim, Peyton Thorne obviously transferred over to Auburn. The reason why Peyton Thorne transferred, though, is because he was told he was not going to be starting for this team. So Noah Kim is starting. Um you know, we've seen it in the past. Noah Kim's having his struggles so far. Um, a lot of uh, Michigan State players have transferred Keenan Coleman, 
you saw him for Florida State score three touchdowns. They've lost a couple other known players there. So I don't know if Michigan State has the capabilities of keeping up with Washington. Oh, but hold the phone. Let me. Uh, I got yelled at for saying that same thing about Noah Kim uh, to another Michigan State alum. I said shaky QB play, and they just played Coach Carter's Richmond Spiders, mm-hmm. and Noah Kim was named Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. Well, you got to pick somebody when Ohio State's struggling. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Noah Kim, he has the right reads. What I don't think necessarily Noah Kim has around him is the, a good enough talent base. Um, Michael Penix, like I said, completely different person from Indiana to Washington. Yeah. And that's what we talked about before. You know, Bo Nix, DJ, when you leave a high-pressure school and moving over to a Pac-12 team where, yes, you know, there's pressure there, but you can air it out. Uh, Offenses over there like to run and gun. They like to throw the ball. So you can really rack up um, the confidence when it comes behind passing. Um, I saw that Washington's averaging around 48 points per game. They dismantled Boise. I was on uh, Washington team total in that game. It's almost every time you look up, Michael Penix is throwing a 40-yard down the down the sideline, and it's just a touchdown. So personally, I think that Washington will get into the 40s. Do I think Michigan State will get to 24 or more? I do not, so I'll be on Washington minus 16 and a half. Okay, then that's something I would tail. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't really dive too deep into this because I wanted you to cover it. Uh, the only thing I'll say is that that same buddy – uh, another alum, very, he's in attendance for the game. You know, I'm a big emotional guy, so I might be uh, plus, if it gets over 17 and a half, I might be on plus 17 and a half just because when the sun starts steading in Big Ten stadiums and that turf yeah. gets a little heavier, you know, it just in the college environment when 110,000 people, well, for Michigan State, probably like 85, 85,000 people are against you. It's just so much different than an NFL-type situation that 17 is just so many points when this game was 10.5 not too long ago. Uh, If the books are just going to keep giving a free touchdown away, that's the only reason I would side with Michigan State. Looks like a ton of money, uh, sharp money is in on the under, 55.5, and he leans on that. There's a couple things that go by, especially when betting. And I do not touch Washington Unders. That's fair. It, it, when you have teams like this that are this electric, and they move at such a high pace, I think they have one of the higher uh, plays per minute. They move at such a pace that I think that Washington Unders just don't mix well. Um, this isn't a an elite Michigan State defense. It is comparable. Our middle linebackers are returning. You know, everyone loves the white guy with no gloves in the middle there. That they say <laughs> Russell Pigs. He's a great player. He really is, and he, he's sound, and he's a good tackler, and that's the reason why he's playing for a Big, te- big Ten team. Yeah. But where Michigan State lacks is going to be the passing defense. I think that's really where um, all of this will go ahead and uh, you know kind of fall apart. I just don't think Michigan State has the ability to rack up first downs and continue to move the ball when I think Washington will be able to move the ball very cleanly. I think Washington gets to 42 points. So if you think Michigan State gets to 27, sure, take Michigan State. But so I have seen absolutely 17. nothing. Well, the cover sixteen. Oh, I was talking about over under fifty five. Oh yes, the under no way, but I'm thinking for Washington to cover. Okay, um, but yeah, no under. I stay away from that for Washington. It's the same way with Oklahoma. I don't take Oklahoma unders, and even though you probably should some games, just like last week against SMU, I simply just do not because in those games there's so much open field. Anything can happen. A minute, literally two touchdowns can happen. So I simply, 
I'm going to bet Washington, and I think that's why people sometimes ask for my sports opinion because my bias does not come into play when it comes into my teams. Uh, what if I were to tell you 77% of the bets, 85% of the uh, money is on Washington spread, minus 17? Yeah, I think we've already named this, especially with Kansas State. The square play has to win, or you'll get people that will shy away from betting. So yeah. it, it does happen to have. It does have have to happen, but also the reason why there's going to be spread such as sixteen and a half and plus sixteen and a half is that what that's what makes a market. You have to have somebody that's willing to go on Michigan State in this play here. Um, I think with everything going on, I I just cannot lean that way as a fan. Now, what about the? Let me ask you this. Uh, maybe the opposite of Pat Fitzgerald. Have you seen anything? Are you message boards guy? I'm not a message board. Guy, <laughs> okay. No. Okay. Have you seen anything though? Maybe in the uh, MSU media, I mean, there was there was definitely some. I want to say severe pressure because they just signed him. There's pretty much no way out of the contract. But I mean, we've seen teams like uh, in the past where they've cut cut ties with contracts this gotcha. big. Yeah, you're talking about the 70 million. Yeah. Yep. That maybe like he, if he was already in this hot water, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe this isn't such a big emotional thing for the players. And they actually get up a little bit for a uh, younger interim coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any thoughts about that angle surrounding just like a relief of Mel Tucker kind of away from the sidelines? Because numbers don't lie, he's underperformed the hell out of this team. Yeah, and they actually played this game last year. It was Washington 39, Michigan State 28. And if you remember, Washington jumped on Michigan State right away. Yep, that's right. Um, Michigan State kind of had a couple of garbage touchdowns. Um, and, you know, that's when Thorne was there. We had a lot of – we had Coleman there as well. So we had some more talent at the time. That was a better Michigan State team than it is now. Um, so I, the problem is with these transfer portals is a team like Colorado can become good in one year, and then teams like Michigan State or, you know, like an Auburn, it can – depending on who you lose and have to bring in, mm-hmm. there's just not enough time – and that's, that's why I get frustrated with the transfer portal. I wish you could only transfer twice, and that's a limit. Yeah. Um, personally, I'll probably sit back and watch, but I will be on Washington just because I know how elite that offense is. Okay. Trying to steer you off it, but pretty uh, pretty steadfast in that. I appreciate that. So I'd we'll, love to be off it. <laughs> we'll be off that game, or moving off that. We'll go to next, um, Tennessee, who is currently sitting at a touchdown favorite. Over the Gators, one of the one of the biggest rivalries, one of the most storied rivalries uh, in the SEC. Uh, they are actually minus six and a half at Florida. This is game is at six p.m. on ESPN. A quick note: Falls haven't won in Gainesville since two thousand three. Yeah, I had that written down too. <laughs> I had that written down too. We already talked. We touched on Joe Milton once again. Being a Big Ten guy, he was benched at Michigan. Then went to UT, got yep. benched for Hendon Hooker, comes back. Hendon gets hurt, of course. Everyone knows that. Joe Milton has one or two highlights. And obviously, living here in Nashville, we are surrounded by UT fans. They think that he is the second coming of Hendon Hooker, which is not true. No. Um, you know, there's a couple different things about Joe Milton. He doesn't know when to use his legs unless they are a package play. Um, it's not good to throw the ball very hard if you're not accurate. There's, there's really two ways to make a to make it as a quarterback in college. And it's one, to have accurate passing, and two, to know when you're using your legs because then you're dynamic in two different aspects. 
Joe Milton does not know how to do either of those. And as much as it hates me to even put money on Graham Mertz, it would pain me even more to put money on Joe Milton. So <laughs> that's how I see this um, this aspect here. I'm currently on Florida. If you're saying it's a touchdown now, I'll gladly take plus seven. But more importantly, I'm actually on under 58.5. Yeah, it's six and a half, actually. Um, it is 58.5 still. Uh, listen, I have, I'm kind of siding with you, but here's the rundown. You got two teams that are looking to run the ball. They both excel at running the ball. Uh, you just touched on it, so I'll just reiterate that both these QBs look like uh, to take uh, the late great Dennis Green. We are who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. We are who we thought they were when they were at fucking Michigan and Wisconsin. I mean, both of you and I are huge into the Big Ten. We saw these guys just fluster in big, big game situations. The only thing I had was that Heupel, when we talk about, we've talked about this multiple times today, is Heupel has started this culture that seems to kind of thrash the old Tennessee culture of same old Tennessee uh, persona. I'm not sure if he thrashed it enough to be giving away a touchdown on the road uh, night game at Florida. Like you said with Milton, he's not co- he's not connecting with balls deep. He pause. <laughs> he's not connecting with deep balls because in their last game against Austin P, which they clearly struggled. Like you have Joe Milton who didn't throw a ball over 20 yards. Mm-hmm. Like that's where you're supposed to be getting that connection with your wide receivers down the field is against teams like Austin P. Uh, I like the under in this game as well, 58 and a half because of those big plays. I just don't know if I'm ready to mm-hmm. buy in like you are to back Graham Mertz mm-hmm. on the Gators. Uh, so the under might be my only play. Uh, I will say, however, something like we talked about earlier with. SEC in the morning, much different than SEC at night. Mm-hmm. So I think Tennessee is the better team. But if Florida wins this game outright, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, I think it's been a theme so far where you take ranked teams on the road at non-ranked teams. Yeah. And and you and yes, you could say you praise the gambling gods. <laughs> Texas Tech should have won that game. Baylor should have won that game. Those are two games that should have gone as wins for both of those teams. I Actually, more appalled by Texas Tech. I don't even know. I understand that pick six and, and letting that go. Totally understand. Baylor had to carry him into the end zone. That was their only way they had a chance. Yeah. Texas um, Tech was up 11. Like, I know. Crazy. Going into the fourth. Crazy. But, yeah, you lose Cedric Tillman. You lose Jalen Hyatt. You lose Hendon Hooker. You were now supplementing guys that were breaking school records. And if you watch that Florida-Utah game, Florida was stopped in the red zone four times. Yeah. One was a field goal, one was a missed field goal, field goal, and then I think two were on downs, and maybe one on interception. I can't quite remember. But it, once again, if you run that back with that same Utah backup, I don't know if I don't take Florida in the points again. I'm not 100% sure, but I think with ETN's brother there as well, um, I think this game slows down. The only way I see this game getting out of hand and becoming over is if Tennessee starts the game 14-0. Yeah. Because Tennessee will not slow down. We know that. Yeah. But if Florida has to play catch-up, this game will fly over just like last year's game where I think it got into the 60s or 70s. I can't quite remember. I think it was like 35-33 or something like that. Florida at home. UT hasn't won there since 2003, like you said. Laying a touchdown? (sighs) No, I'm on Florida. Let's go. Yeah, last year was 33-38. Yep. Tennessee won late. 
uh, took that game. But again, that wasn't a, I mean, that was also not a good Gators team. Uh, and they kept pace. And some of these weird, like, SEC rivalries that have gone on for decades just kind of carry, I don't know, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but they just carry this uh, overhang mm. of no matter who is on the roster, it's like, oh, Florida's coming to town, or oh, Auburn's coming to town, and it's like we just haven't beat them in X years. And yeah, I, I would lean with you. That's not making my card, but I think we sweat the under. What's better than sweating an under when you're, you know, a few a few pops deep, just sitting on the couch six hours in? Uh, so the last game that we'll cover uh, in the six, uh, man, you know we got to cover them every pod, and you know all the Joes are on them. It's Colorado minus 23 and a half. Boy, oh boy. I don't think I've ever seen a team go from week one plus 20 and a half to week three minus 23 and a half at Colorado State. This is a 9 p.m. primetime game for primetime. All I have first before you start is Norvell is a fucking idiot. He's such an idiot. I, I did write down. Why are we talking about this game? Just <laughs> because the whole slate. But I totally understand. You have to acknowledge what's going on there at Colorado. Uh, I am a fan of them. You know, when all the transfers came in. Hey, this pot is a pro Dion pot. So, totally understand. And it's I love, a pro Dion pot. I love Dion. I told you I took Colorado team total over four and a half. I knew they were going to beat Nebraska. That's Nebraska fair. It has their own problems. I knew they would punish them. And after this week, they will be 3-0. I don't think they lose to Colorado State. They've <laughs> no. already gone. They've already... They got select, uh, select by, I forget who it was. I would have to go back and look at it. Maybe like a Washington State or something along those lines. You might have to pull that up. It was. It was Washington State. Gotcha. So my only lean here would be a Colorado team total over. Once again, prime time, at home, see what you can do. Uh, I actually think I watched back that Colorado State. The, the quarterback's actually not too bad over there, but the defense is atrocious. So if you were leaning over, I wouldn't bet against that. Um, but... As far as that, I saw that they had 37 rushing yards in a game as well. So you have to go to Colorado. That's the only play here for me. Boy, I want you to take a look at this. The only thing capitalized. Team total, 42 <laughs> net. Guys. Uh, and that's a, you know what? That's a tough number there, too, because I actually took over um, 42 with Western Kentucky against South Florida because I knew how bad South Florida's defense was, and it landed right on 41. They like I think they missed an extra point and then went for two, so it didn't cash. Forty two and a hook, that's super dangerous, um, in my opinion. But you would imagine they'll probably have twenty one or twenty eight at half. Um, the only other thing is Dion at Jackson State actually ran pretty conservative. He actually prefers the run play over the pass play. I just, I don't know if Colorado State they let up five hundred and fifty yards against Washington State, so I don't know. I would imagine back to back. Obviously, I'm on the same. Just I, I love the team total over. Uh, I'll tell you why I love 42.5. I don't mind the hook. Listen, Norvell calling out Dion midweek is just so fucking stupid. There's no reason for it. it actually moved the line two points. It was 21.5. Now it's up to 23.5. You got videos. Dion is very involved with social media. Uh, obviously bringing this up already. Uh, if you don't know, Norvell said uh, in an interview... Uh, after Dion uh, took his Monday interview, Norvell brought up, uh, my mama raised me right, I'll take my hat and sunglasses off when you're talking to me. So, <laughs> man, uh, just calling out Dion directly is insane. 
The other thing is that this is the first night game with this team. This team literally just engulfs energy, engulfs it, and just spits it out onto the field. Uh, It's their first rivalry game. It's on the road. This team is going to thrive in a hostile environment. Uh, It's pretty personal. Uh, Again, we've, we've touched on this probably fifth time now tonight. This is such an emotional game. I know the number's huge. I probably wouldn't take it at 23 and a half just because I don't believe in Colorado's defense. Uh, you mentioned it that Dion likes to run the ball. Their run game fucking sucks. It's bad. Outside of his son, like, using his legs, like, they haven't established a run at all. Their pass game is good. It's not just Travis Hunter going both ways. Like, they got a couple good guys at wide out. Uh, the one kid, uh, I believe it's Jay Horn. He had, like, he was well over 100 yards against Nebraska, but I think he had, like, yeah, Jimmy Horn, 8 to 10 receptions. Mm -hmm. I'm staying away from the spread. I will be on the over 60 and a half. I also like Colorado team total over uh, to the point where I will probably be more on Colorado team total over. I just think this is where I'm going to bring it all back. I think Dion is looking at that crooked number 50. Mm Mm-hmm. I think he's looking for a crooked number, and he's already 50 burger, and he's already promoting his son. Uh, he's already saying the word Heisman and everything. Like he's leaving his kid in uh, because I mean he is such a heady QB. I mean he's so smart that he's not going to like take a dumb sack or risk getting hurt by staying in the game late. But you never know with a rivalry game if ill intentions could come up if uh, some. Dumb defensive player could late hit out of bounds. Basically, that's the only side I'm on. This Colorado State team is bad. I can't. I can't waste my money betting on Colorado State versus Dion. So Washington State versus Colorado State, fifty to twenty-four. So you have seventy-four points there. Colorado State did score twenty-four points, which is pretty impressive against all in the Washington. fourth quarter. Yeah, all in the fourth quarter. I think that's you know decently uh, impressive because they're going to keep their starters in. Yes. Another thing, too, is Colorado State is one of the few that actually had a bye week. So yeah. like, they actually had a week to, I guess you can say, quote-unquote, prepare or maybe work on the <laughs> offensive flow. I don't necessarily know how much they're going to prepare for Colorado. For me, personally, this will probably be a no play. I don't I don't have a play on this game, but it's a sit back and watch, uh, really try to evaluate their play calling. The only thing is, you know, does how fancy does Colorado get? Do they run a more vanilla offense, which might just put up 50, like you said, so... For me, I'm going to sit back and just watch this one. Yeah, I, I was really surprised with Nebraska-Colorado game. I will say that on how small the scoring was. I would like to see more read options instead of just kind of handing it off in the shotgun on Colorado uh, or just kind of committing to the pass because you have such athletes. Mm-hmm. You can go four wide, and like that's my, my number one pet peeve – well, I've probably said my number one pet peeve on this podcast about 10 different things. But in college football, if you've got athletes that can catch the ball, I guarantee you there is nowhere close to the amount of athletes guarding them on the other side. It's like just find the mismatch. Mm -hmm. Like most cornerbacks in college are working at Enterprise. Yeah. (laughs) Like it takes a special person to be good at cornerback in the NFL let alone college football. Malcolm Butler came from fucking uh, Mississippi Community College, for fuck's mm-hmm. sake. I just think more athletes, more dudes. Again, both of us aren't touching that 23-and-a-half for a team that was such a low. But, yeah, all right, that's enough Colorado talk. 
what that what that brings us to is the best part of this entire pod is our best bets of the week. You want to start? Sure, I can start. Yeah, you're you're a guest here. Please start us off. Okay, so my best bet. So I didn't play anything on Thursday night. Uh, Friday night, the only game I currently have is Virginia and Maryland over 47.5. I've heard some people being on this under, but the reason why I'm going to be on over 47.5, we just talked about that JMU game. Virginia now has put in their freshman, um, and he is pretty electric. Uh, they started to put up crazy numbers on JMU. They probably should have beat JMU. JMU came back after like a two-hour rain delay. So I think Maryland, and I, I've watched back some Maryland. The defense looks a little suspect. So I'm going to go with maybe, I think this game probably ends right around 53 points. So I think they're a little bit off by about six points. So on Friday night, I got Virginia and Maryland over 47. I have Florida plus six and a half and under 58 and a half. Uh, don't need to jump into that all too much. Uh, I did take LSU minus nine and a half. Kansas State minus four. Miss, uh, Minnesota plus seven and a half. So a lot of the games that we actually talked on actually made my card prior to looking at what games we were discussing. Love that. Um, San Diego State, Oregon State under 48 and a half. Uh, if you've watched San Diego State at all, the, the quarterback isn't even a quarterback. <laughs> um, I don't think San Diego State really gets to about 14 or 17 points here. And as I mentioned before, Oregon State is heavy on the defense and heavy on the run. So I just think a tick, 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 yep. tick, tick. Yep. So under 48 and a half, um, I think that's a pretty comfortable number there. I am now going to fade JMU and take Troy at home minus two and a half over JMU. Wow. Um, that defense is extremely suspect. They were uh, getting destroyed by the big play. I think Troy, they came off one of their best program years ever. I do think they make a statement here. They're trying to fight to win that conference. So I think Troy wins. Uh, I will take them a field goal or less at home. Um, another big one is Georgia Tech plus 18. Uh, they are playing Ole Miss. I know you love Ole Miss, but this is just a look ahead. Ole Miss has Alabama on deck, so I'm going to take Georgia Tech plus 18. I think that's way too much. I think Georgia Tech should have beat Louisville. Uh, Louisville had the craziest second half that I've seen so far, and I actually think Louisville is a good team. So I'm going to take Georgia Tech. Haynes King from uh, AM. I'm going to take them plus 18. Um, a couple other here. I have Syracuse minus 2.5 over Purdue. Um, Hudson Carr and that Purdue team, I cannot believe that became so close with Virginia Tech. I thought they were yeah. going to blow them out of the water. Once again, rain delay, come back. I like Syracuse to win that game. Uh, I did have West Virginia money line. That is now shot up all the way to minus three. I don't know if I necessarily love that game, but the reason why is Pitt's run defense was extremely terrible against Cincinnati. That's all West Virginia wants to do. And you could say Penn State covered that game, but they actually played that game pretty well. West Virginia didn't look all too bad or completely out of their league. Penn State is really just a well-oiled machine at home. Yeah. Uh, big one here. Clemson minus 24 and a half. I think it was at 24 when I wrote down. I think the hook has now overtaken. It did. Uh, Casey Thompson from Nebraska has transferred to FAU. And believe it or not, Casey Thompson has gotten worse. So <laughs> I watched that whole FAU game late. Uh, I'm going to take Clemson to roll that game. Obviously super scary with that pick six right out of the gate from Klubnik uh, against the School of the Blind they were playing last week. Yeah, uh, Charleston Southern, but I think Clemson will roll this game against FAU. I think it's completely different classes here. Um, another big one, a game we didn't talk about. I, I kind of wish we did talk about this, but it was uh, TCU. Uh, I have TCU minus seven. Uh, they are playing... Houston. Houston. So Houston... I watched that whole UTSA and Houston game. 
So Houston has a transfer from Texas Tech. I believe it's Donovan Smith. I could be mispronouncing his first name. He actually is a pretty decent quarterback, but the way that they score points is off the big play um, and off of kind of just churning first downs. I watched that TCU-Colorado game. I actually didn't think TCU looked all that bad on offense. They looked like oh, yeah. they were just breaking open plays and plays. Sure. I think TCU can get to 45 here, and I don't see Houston necessarily keeping up to hold this within a touchdown. I also saw Houston. Did they lose to Rice in overtime? I didn't see that. Final yes, they four. did. Yeah. So they lost to Rice in overtime, which lost to Texas like 45-3. to three. Yep. So JT Daniels at Rice is beating Houston. <laughs> I'm just going to take TCU. I think better talent, better offense. Let's yeah. not shame a, a, a good Rice team. <laughs> yeah, a good Rice team. Uh, like I said, I know a lot of people that had an over in that Rice-Texas team. And then my last play here is just Fresno State minus three over Arizona State. Uh, once again, I talked about Arizona State. Um, I think that quarterback, I think it's Rashida or Rashada. I don't think he's a very good player. I don't think he should be starting for a Power 5 team. Fresno State's already taken down Purdue. I think they continue their run over there at the Mountain West. Oh, okay. So the only thing I want to take away is thank God that you just covered all those. Because as you'll pick up more and more uh, when we have Nate on the podcast, is that the first six games we covered, we were basically on the same side. And the reason I brought him on is – we are usually uh, of differing opinions, uh, but we'll find our – we're probably about 60-40 on the same side. So we could be going against them most of the time. So with being 6 of 6, uh, we're basically going to go 0 for 6 in the 6 we covered. <laughs> That's basically what it comes down to. So hearing all those, I am on different side of a few of those. So I'm happy that we finally found some ground where we disagree. Uh, the only game I actually wrote down for uh, actually having a good amount of notes is this one really stuck out to me of like, it's just don't fucking think past your dumb brain. It's Nebraska minus 11 against Northern Illinois. Sims held out of practice and where you can only hope to God he doesn't play. He's unclear as of today. I'm just looking it up. But it doesn't matter. I put in a, a pretty terrible joke of like, if this guy was a robot, we wouldn't need to worry about them taking over the human race because this turnover machine is fucking useless. I wonder what that under is. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so Northern Illinois is coming off an FCS loss, 14-11 to 11 to Southern Illinois. Listen, Northern Illinois cannot move the ball. I mean, they are fucking bad. They're bad. They had three turnovers in that game. Nebraska at home, under two touchdown favorite. Don't think about it. If you have to lose money on this, I would prefer to be on the team that should win by 28 points. Like this team's defense is insane. If you've watched any, like Nebraska's defense, if people want to look at that Colorado final and take away that Nebraska did not play well, you have to go back and look at the starting field position that fucking Jeff Sims left the defense on every drive when he was fumbling every play. So Colorado put up points. They converted off turnovers. Nebraska should have beat Minnesota. Again, Jeff Sims with a fucking insane interception late in the game. But that defense held them to basically nothing. Uh, for three and a half quarters, I'm on Nebraska minus 11. It might squeeze in as my best bet of the entire my lock of the week. Uh, so that's the most. So I'll run down the card though. That's the only game I had kind of uh, deep dive. 
I'm actually on. I'm on Houston plus seven and a half. This might be Dana Holgerson's last game if they lose this game pretty badly. <laughs> so I think Dana uh, is going to get this team up. I think that they hang in this game. Uh, they showed some signs of life. They were losing to Rice by multiple scores. So. Actually <laughs> brought it back to survive, and, uh, even though they lost in overtime. Uh, I'm on the App State uh, ECU over 47 and a half. Uh, I think App State is too good of a team uh, not to push any sort of number like this over. Um, actually, if you listened last week, you'll know I'm retired from Friday betting. But I'm giving out this number. I think it's too good. Just kind of my meditation day. But anyone else that wants to take it over Army UTSA, 44 and a half. Uh, UTSA can't really stop a nosebleed. Uh, they're pretty bad. And Frank Harris might not be willing, ready to go. So if UTSA and Frank Harris, if he can't go, I see Army absolutely dominating this ball. UTSA is not going to be ready on a short turnaround, less than a week for a uh, any sort of Tennessee look good. Well, that and uh, any sort of like triple option type situation. Like when you have the military academies, uh, you just can't can't be bruised. Yeah, uh, and then I also have uh, Utah State uh, plus ten. Uh, against Air Force, so I'm really utilizing the uh, the uh, military academies. Air Force is defense is nuts, but their offense is putrid. I mean, it is so so bad. Might be on the under on this as well, but it is such a. I believe it's in the 30s for how low this under is. Uh, but plus 10, uh, it's actually 46. So give me the under. 99% of the money is on the under and only 55% of the tickets. Add the under to my card, 46.5. That is a guaranteed hit. That might be the lock of the week right there because Utah State's offense is pretty bad as well. That might be literally a 7-3 to three game. Uh, outside of that, I've bought down Ohio State to minus 28. Uh, there's no way that Ohio State doesn't. They've fully committed to Kyle McCord uh, this week. Uh, it was the right call. He's starting to really get into a good rhythm. They're playing Western Kentucky. Uh, Toledo uh, minus, or I'm sorry, Toledo and San Diego or San Jose State over 57 and a half. Uh, Toledo's hosting San Jose State. Uh, Listen, everyone knows I'm a Toledo homer. I mean, that's my alumni. Toledo will win this game, but they've always had trouble with uh, little shifty, scrambling quarterbacks. This game has already moved from 8.5 to 7. Uh, Toledo is favored over San Jose State. They obviously looked okay against USC, uh, so I'm just going to stay away from that. Toledo has struggled as big home favorites against good teams, so give me the over 57. That game could be one of the best to watch at 6 p.m. Yeah, one other game uh, I couldn't believe the number I'm just so confused by is Illinois is only a two-touchdown dog to Penn State. I mean, can you please help me understand what the hell this line even means? Yeah, I think Illinois... I did hear that they are getting their safety back, which is good. So maybe maybe an unders a look here. Every time you watch Illinois, they are in the backfield. Altmeyer is constantly running for his life. For me personally, there's no way I would ever take 14 in the hook with Illinois. 
Uh, I'd have to lay it with Penn State. And I know we, we've had our kind of ups and downs, and I know you're saying that Penn State really hasn't played anyone. Even after this game, they probably still haven't played anyone. This Illinois team compared to last year's is so completely different. Yeah, I think Illinois is going to struggle to get to 6-6 six and six and even make a bowl game this year. So for me personally, I would take Penn State here. Yeah, the only thing I'm pushing back on, 85% of the bets and 82% of the money. Again, huge Joe play at minus 14.5. I guess they're hanging around a little bit. Uh, West Virginia is super bad. The only reason I bring them up is because Penn State uh, backdoor covered them and then Penn State played Delaware. So Illinois played two good teams in uh, Toledo and Kansas. So it's like Illinois has played the superior talent by far. Obviously, myself being Toledo homer, want to see Illinois make this a game because I think Toledo is a good enough team to be a top 35 team in this entire country with how many seniors and just how many upperclassmen they have. Yeah, man, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I do want to uh, the amount of money, uh, and it looks like uh, the sharp money is on the under. Also, the public money is on the over there as well. I almost just want to plug my nose at 48 and a half, and I'll probably just add 48 and a half under to my card. Yeah, and I think even – so let's say this was Toledo playing Penn State minus 14 and a half. I would still take Penn State. Yeah, for like, sure. This Illinois team is not a Big Ten caliber team Yeah, to be – like, if West Virginia played Illinois, I'd probably be taking West Virginia. Really? Okay. So, Illinois, you cannot make plays in college if there are four defensive ends in your grill at all times. That <laughs> offensive line is absolutely atrocious. You cannot lose Chase Brown. And now their, back, their new running back has no juice. Like, it, there's just too many problems with Illinois. I have some big concerns. Like I said, I think maybe a four or five win team. But their hopes of trying to win that side of the Big Ten, I think, are completely out of the window. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that could come up is this is like a classic, uh, 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 what was that woman's name? Her name's like Beth something, uh, who was always on like ESPN2 covering the Big Ten game. You know, it came on right after game day. Oh, I'm so bad with announcements. Yeah, I'll have to, oh man, and everyone would just kind of, oh, she's on again. It is a at Illinois 11 a.m. kick, again with these Big Ten 11 a.m. kicks. They can get pretty drowsy, and Penn State is going one up. This is a, a Penn State team that isn't like the flashiest, but they are definitely a um, kind of beat-your-breaks-off type team with physicality. So um, I'm sticking with the under. I'm glad we could dive into this game because I truly have no clue looking at these lines. They just stink, stink like all rat shit that there is. Uh, and that's all the single games I have besides the ones that we talked about. Uh, let me pull those aside. Yeah, LSU minus 9.5. Kansas State minus 3.5. Minnesota uh, probably plus 8. Hold my nose. And then give me the under on Florida, Tennessee. And for the last wrap-up, I heard through the grapevine, you might have a teaser in play. Yeah, so I wrote down a few teams that I'm willing to put into a teaser. Oh, okay. One of them actually was Toledo, so I would like to tease them down to a pick'em. They're back. They're they're minus like seven that. right now. I like Toledo down to a pick'em. I actually think Toledo is actually a pretty good team. You know how I feel about Finn. I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I'll deal with him there. San Jose State Cordero, they're at quarterback. You watch them against Oregon State. You watch them against USC. You could say that their schedule so far has maybe been one of the toughest 
Um, but overall, I feel that Toledo is a little bit more fundamental on yeah. both sides of the ball, so I would like to have Toledo at home. I think they can go win the MAC um, and go forth from there. <laughs> TCU minus seven, I already said that. Like I said, with TCU, when Houston played UTSA, Frank Harris threw four interceptions. UTSA was constantly moving the ball up and down, so I just have no fears on Houston. It's two poor games. The UTSA game, you know, say what you want. Having four turnovers, and I looked at it too, the NIU game against F- the FCS team. I saw they had, you know, seven for 70 in penalties, three turnovers. When you have three turnovers to zero, you're never going to win a game, most yeah. likely. So uh, I wrote down Minnesota plus seven and a half. I'm probably going to put them in a teaser and get them to 14 and a hook. I don't see how like that, that loses. Um, another one is Rutgers minus seven. I like this Rutgers team. Very physical. Yeah. They seem they know what they're doing. Their quarterback is just adequate enough for a Rutgers ran offense. So I like getting Rutgers down to um, a pick em. I think, are they playing Vodtech? Yeah. This pod okay. loves Piscataway. If you're coming to Piscataway, New Jersey, you better be in for a fucking fight of your life. Mm-hmm. So those four, and the things with teasers too, they have to be moving through key numbers. So three, yeah. seven, yep. 10, 14. Uh, you'll never see me tease like a five. I'll never see tease a five down to a two, to like a plus two. But if you're seeing me have a hook or a seven or even a ten, tease it down like a nine and a half, like LSU teasing that down to two and a half. I do like that a lot too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a couple different ways, but those are my main teams as far as teasers. Great. Um, I do have our weekly fill me up parlay, fill up your bankroll, and last week. Uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, it actually hit for a few people that just took the spreads of these three teams. This week, we have Army money line, Houston money line, BYU money line. All three of those hit pays you just over forty-two to one odds. Uh, feel free to place those however you'd like responsibly. And then we have the uh, returning one and zero, the what I've now named Park Your Cheeks Parlay. As in, we are betting one eleven a.m. game, one two thirty game, one five or six o'clock game, and then one night game. That hit last week with Notre Dame, Old Miss, USC, and UCLA. So props to everyone that hit that at plus six eighty. This week it is Kansas State minus two, uh, Ohio State minus twenty seven, Nebraska minus nine, and Colorado versus Colorado State over fifty eight and a half. Parlay all those together, and that gets you plus 684, just under 7 to 1 odds. And then a new recurring parlay is the Fuckboy Parlay. (laughs) Um, This is going to be a weekly segment where we put together uh, any amount that feel right of a Joe side uh, money line favorite. And what we have is a five-leg parlay this week. We have Nebraska money line. North Carolina money line, Iowa State money line, Kansas State money line, and LSU money line. You put all those together, it gives you plus 451, and you will be going home with a uh, very dirty, dirty parlay for you. Any parlays for you? Yeah, so I was just looking at it too, like a dog parlay. So a three-team dog parlay. It's probably the only parlay I'll take. Um, But if you really want to (laughs) get... Nasty with it. Take Minnesota money line, Florida money line, and then Virginia money line over Maryland Friday night. That is plus forty-eight oh one. So wow. hundred bucks gonna pay you out forty-nine hundred. So Jesus. Well, that's also leaving the overhang. The Friday overhang. It all starts with Virginia. I think 
I came into this year thinking Flor- or Virginia and Virginia Tech were one of the worst teams in the Power Five. You know, especially with Virginia going on, you know, with the shooting going on and everything, it's really tragic. But Virginia, like I said, they replaced their quarterback with the freshman. Their running back is extremely physical as well. So Virginia can actually just put up about 28-plus points against Maryland. I think one that covers my over that I like, but also I think they can go ahead and win that game with 28-plus points. Yeah. Okay. Okay, interesting. We're going against each other on one of those. Uh, So you could be ruining the fuckboy parlay, but... Uh, let's be honest. I mean, that's the one that we probably don't need to hit because it's just all a bunch of Joe picks. Yeah, before we wrap up, uh, again, appreciate you coming on and uh, just kind of talking through a lot of ball with us. And with that being said, if you love ball, next week is your week. Uh, wanted to do a quick look ahead, see if anything stuck out. We're not going to cover any of these games more than just uh, what we like. So if you're unfamiliar, next week we have Ohio State, Notre Dame, Bama, Old Miss, Clemson, Florida State, Colorado at Oregon, UCLA at Utah, Oregon State at Washington State, and Iowa at Penn State. Anything that sticks out, because I have a few that are pretty fucking crazy, uh, but I want to hear what you have to say, because this is just getting me all randy. <laughs> yeah, so one, I'll be at the UTSA uh, UT game, I don't know if that was mentioned. I'll probably look for an upset there, depending on what's going on here. Wow. Um, Ohio State, I have my concerns as of right now. This just feels like it's not as well-oiled machine as Ohio State has been in the past, so I do have my worries with Notre Dame coming up. That being said, Notre Dame and Colorado might be the most two talked-about teams so far, so depending on what that spread is going to be will determine my play on that. Um, you know, Kyle McCord... I think he's great, but it's weird to see a white quarterback at Ohio State. So I don't know how to feel about that. At Colorado, as I already mentioned, plus 14 and a half against Oregon. Oregon at home is just so much different than Oregon on the road. So I am worried about that game. But if it is 14 in the hook, Colorado comes out and does well against Colorado State, then I might look at like a Colorado team total over because Oregon's defense is that bad. But I don't know if I'm going to be on Colorado plus 14 and a half. Yeah, uh, the only thing I'll have to say is that it's fucking crazy at the beginning of the season. If you're a Notre Dame fan or a college football fan, and they uh, these books release look-ahead lines probably about mid-August, uh, maybe a little earlier. But you could be someone out there mm-hmm. holding a Notre Dame plus 17 ticket, and it is down to plus 2.5 mm-hmm. <laughs> next week. And that is so fucking insane. That number was so... Uh, dumb early on. I mean, that was even after, I think it moved down to 14 and a half. They after played this the, game last year, right? Yep. First week one. It was a, uh, I believe, nine point so, win. So maybe a revenge game. Notre Dame covered. Yep. Um, so, and it was a fucking absolute dog, just dog fight. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to that game. It's going to be a nut or shut up game for Ohio mm-hmm. State. Uh, obviously, I'm a big, big Old Miss fan uh, this year. Just all my futures tickets surrounding Old Miss. They're going to go Bama, LSU. I mean, they've got so much. Their entire season relies on the next two weeks. And it starts with not looking past this week. And then Bama, Lane Kiffin, obviously, huge game with Saban. Uh, obviously, those two respect each other a lot. But you know that Kiffin just wants to dive in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty much you know, the last game I think could be very interesting. I think that the game that you won't talk about, I think they could hang around and really expose is that Iowa-Penn State game. Just because I think everyone is so far ahead on Penn State and they haven't done shit, 
really any any year under James Franklin, and you get a just NFL style defense like Iowa, and that's going to be a night game. I think that will be a uh, a very telling game. Although McCarthy, not McCarthy, uh, McNamara has been dog shit, so we'll see if Iowa can actually score. But yeah, that's uh, that's a quick week four look ahead. But we will break those all down next week. Uh, looking forward to the slate, uh, Nathan. Again, thank you so much. We'll we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. And breaking news: Navy has a passing touchdown. Wow! <laughs> Holy shit, man. I mean, that would have been one of my plays, but this is not going to be released till after that game's over. So, <laughs> all right. Yep. Peace. <laughs>